Okay, welcome to another episode of the Main Polls Podcast. And for this episode, I'm going to dig into some voter registration trends. I covered some of this stuff a little over a year ago now, where I looked at Maine's registered voter data from November 2016 and compared it to data released in July 2020. It was sort of a continuation of me looking at the 2020 and 2016 presidential election results, comparing them to county and municipal registered voter data, and questioning where exactly all those Biden voters had come from. Remember, Joe Biden got more votes in Maine than Obama did in either of his elections, more than any candidate in history. Where I ended on the subject last year was that I basically figured out which municipalities voted for who in the last two presidential elections. We could see which communities switched, where did Biden win, where Hillary had lost, where did Trump's boost come from, and then the political makeup of those communities based on the registered voter data. But the answers ended up raising some interesting questions around Maine's largest voter bloc. And it wasn't quite clear where all the Libertarian voters ended up after the Secretary of State revoked their party status. What also comes up a few times in earlier episodes was the impact of absentee ballots on the 2020 election. And I've had a chance to look over some of that data finally too, and so I'll go into that a bit more today as well. And one more thing too before I get started, I don't want this to come off as some sort of harping on the 2020 election. At this point, it's really more of a recognition of the monumental shift in the electorate and an attempt to better understand Maine's current political landscape. Now, in addition to basically finding where Biden's support came from in those past episodes, one of the other big takeaways for me was that, at some point, between November 2016 and July 2020, the unenrolled voter block went from being the largest voter block in the state of Maine down to the second largest and the Democrat voter block went from second place to first, so they switched places. And so one of the things I was still really curious about was this switch between the registered Democrats and the unenrolled voters. I wanted to know if this was as historically relevant as I thought it was, and I wanted to narrow down when exactly this switch happened. To do that, I had to pull data from the Secretary of State's official website and put together a much bigger data set. I can't drill down into the county or municipal level yet, but I've got it together for statewide. So that's what we'll be looking at today. These are statewide trends, ranging from July 2007, which is as far back as the Secretary of State has available, all the way up to November 2021, which is the most recent data they have available. So what does this much larger data set show? Well, I was right about the switch between the unenrolled voter block and Democrat voter block being significant. Like I said, the data from the Secretary of State's office only goes back to 2007, but in that time, right up till the switch, the unenrolled had held first place comfortably. And I'm pretty confident that the unenrolled had held this position long before 2007, because that span doesn't even include the Governor Angus King years. What it does cover is Baldacci's second term, the entire Paula Page era, and the election of Janet Mills. It covers four presidential elections, including both of Obama's elections, and three midterm elections. It'd be great if I could go back further, but this is good. This will work. And looking this over, there are definitely some noticeable trends. For example, right up till the switch, the top three voter blocs, the unenrolled, the Democrats, and the Republicans, their numbers fluctuated, but they tended to fluctuate together, dipping and climbing along mostly in parallel with one another. 
And the pattern seemed to be that in the year following a midterm election, across all three of the major voter blocs, the unenrolled voters, the Democrats, and the Republicans, there would be a drop in the number of registered voters. So, for example, 2007 and 2011 each saw a drop of at least 7% in the total number of registered voters. And then in the year leading up to the presidential election, so through 2008 and 2012, for example, the total number of voters jumped back up, pretty much right back to where it was, and where it was was hovering just under a million registered voters. Okay, now, the first sign that things might start going outside the status quo happens in 2015 and 2016. The drop we would have expected in 2015 following the midterms wasn't over 7%, it was barely over 1%. And then the expected rise through 2016 wasn't just over 7%, it was over 8%. That's over 80,000 new registered main voters in a single year. It's the largest single year spike and because the preceding decline was so shallow compared to previous election cycles, it ends up putting the number of registered Maine voters well above the million voter mark. I'm doing a write-up on this topic too that'll look even closer at how those 80,000 additional voters affected the voter blocks, as well as what the inactive voter list tells us about this period of time. So if you want to get real nerdy, I'll have that up soon with a few different graphs and charts as well. But what I will say is that of those 80,000 plus new voters added to Maine's rolls, 34%, so a plurality, 34% of them joined the Democrats, and only 24% joined the unenrolled. Okay, so that happens. And even though it's abnormal, it's following the pattern. There was a dip, not as big, followed by a jump that was really big. And through it all, those three major voter blocks continued moving in parallel. So really, in of itself, could be a red flag, but not necessarily a big deal. But then, in 2018, we see a second red flag. So, this is after Trump's 2016 victory and heading into the midterms. The period of time between November 2017 and when the November 2018 midterms were held, that was also the same election Janet Mills was elected governor, that year leading up to those midterm elections represents the first time that those three largest voter blocks stop moving up and down in parallel with each other. Both the Democrats and Republicans added voters to their rolls. The Republicans picked up just shy of 10,000 voters and the Democrats picked up over 18,600 voters. But the unenrolled voter block dropped by over 10,000 voters. Okay, so the unenrolled voter block drops, and the Democrat block surges up, but it's still not enough to overtake the unenrolled as the largest voter block. They still hold first place at that point. But just to get an idea of how much the gap closed that year, in November of 2017, the unenrolled voter block had 48,800 more voters than the Democrat voter block. By November of 2018, that lead shrunk down to about 19,600. All right, we're in the home stretch from the 2018 midterms up till November of 2019. This would be a period of time that we'd expect to see a decline in the number of registered voters. And there does appear to be a very slight decline in the total number of registered voters of about 0.8%, equivalent to around 3,000 registered voters removed. Except this is a bit misleading because 
This period of time also represents when the Libertarians effectively had their party membership revoked. So, like 69% of that decline were Libertarians being removed. In fact, if we take out the artificial drop in Libertarian voters, there was actually a slight increase in the total number of registered voters of 0.1%. And breaking it down by voter block, there was only one voter block that gained while all the others declined. And that was the unenrolled block. The Democrats, Republicans, and Greens all took a slight drop. But the bump in the unenrolled voters was just barely enough to cancel them out. So now, not only is the trend line moving up when it would normally be moving down, the unenrolled block has again fallen out of sync with the other blocks. Also, I actually dug around the libertarian numbers a bit trying to understand what happened to their enrollment status. I had initially assumed that maybe they were defaulted to unenrolled or moved to the inactive list, but going over the data, I actually think they may have just simply been removed from the rolls entirely. I don't want to get too off topic here, but I'll have my justification explained in the write-up. Okay, now from November 2019 up to the November 2020 election, so the year leading up to Joe Biden's big win and the year the switch actually finally happens, the Republicans added over 36,000 active voters to their block over that year, a size increase of 13%, and the Democrats, they put up 57,000, growing their block by 16%. But the unenrolled, over that same period of time leading up to the 2020 presidential election, they lost 2% over the course of that year, equivalent to about 8,700 voters. So during a time when we'd expect a rise in the total number of unenrolled voters statewide, like we had seen in the last three election cycles, we see a decline. And actually, <clears throat> because they released data for March and July of 2020 as well, not something that necessarily happens every year. We can actually see that the drop in the unenrolled block saw was initially a bit more than just 2%. Because from November 2019 to March 2020, the unenrolled block actually lost 7%. So that would be 27,000 voters shedded from the unenrolled block inside of four months. It had become an 8% drop by July before finally climbing back up to just a 2% drop over the year leading up to the 2020 election. The Democrat block over that same period of time, so November 2019 to March 2020, while the unenrolled block is losing 27,000 plus voters from its block, the Democrats are gaining about 33,500 voters to their block. So the Democrat voter block grew by 10% in four months, was up to 11% by July. And then in those last few months before the election, when the unenrolled block suddenly picks up almost 23,000 voters and gets within 2% of its November 2019 totals, the Democrat block is adding about another 18,300 voters to their block. So over the final year before the November 2020 election, the Democrat voter block grew by a total of 16%. Okay, now, when did the actual switch happen? When did the Democrat block overtake the unenrolled block as the largest voter block in Maine? Well, according to the data, it officially happened sometime between November 2019 and March 2020. So in those first four months, when the Democrats grew by 10% and the unenrolled lost over 7%, so let's put together a voter pool to see what likely happened during those four months. 
we take those 27,000 plus voters that decided to leave the unenrolled block, combine them with the 10,700 new voters that went and registered to vote sometime during those four months, plus the 901 voters that the Greens lost during that same period of time, plus the last few hundred voters the Libertarians had before being eliminated entirely, we get a voter pool of 39,062 voters. And about 70% of that voter pool are former unenrolled voters. Now, both the Democrats and the Republicans gained during those four months. But the Democrats, out of those some 39,000 registered voters in our voter pool, the Democrats got 86% of them. So that's where those 33,500 new Democrats came from. That 10% surge in the number of Democrat rank and file between December 2019 and March 2020 came almost entirely from voters that, prior to November 2019, were registered to vote as unenrolled. But then, sometime between November 2019 and March 2020, decided to go and join the Democrat Party. And so, what this looks like is that, in November of 2019, the unenrolled block held around a 23,300 voter advantage over the Democrat block, but by March 2020, so within four months, the Democrats held a 37,300 plus advantage over the unenrolled block. And then, by November 2020, after the unenrolled block had finally climbed out of that U-shaped dip, almost right back to where they started in November of 2019, except rather than being ahead of second place Democrats by over 23,000 voters, as it was in November 2019, the unenrolled block was now behind the first place Democrats by over 42,000 voters. And just for a little more context to help understand the significance of that, in November of 2008, when Obama was first elected, Maine's unenrolled voter block held a nearly 41,000 voter advantage over the Democrat block. In 2012, the difference between them had grown to nearly 47,000 in favor of the unenrolled. By November of 2016, for Trump v. Clinton, the unenrolled block slid some but still held a 46,000 voter advantage over the Democrats. But by the 2020 election, that 40,000 plus edge the unenrolled bloc had held over the Democrat bloc hadn't just been closed, it had literally been flipped upside down. All right, I said I'd touch on absentee ballots a bit, and so that's where I'll finish for today. <clears throat> uh, in episode seven, where I went in deep on the main election process, one of the things I talked about was the idea that, at some point, absentee uh, voting went from something that was designed to help people that can't vote on Election Day to something that, quite frankly, was set up to compete with Election Day as the preferred mode of voting, and that the rules and regulations currently in place really exist parallel to the regulations dealing with Election Day voting. And now that I've had a chance to go over the absentee voter data for the past few presidential elections, including the November 2020 election, an election that, because of COVID concerns, had absentee voting publicly promoted as an alternative to voting on Election Day, I can see the fruit of those policies. So let's start with the 2012 presidential. This was an Obama won his second term. 724,758 ballots were cast in Maine for that election, and about 27% of them were cast by absentee. 771,892 ballots were cast in the 2016 election when Trump won. 
34% of which were cast absentee. And finally, when Biden's monumental victory in the 2020 election out of 828,035 ballots cast, 64% were cast by absentee. 64%. Another way we can think about this is that over that same period of time, 2012 to 2020, over those three presidential elections, the total number of ballots cast increased by 14%. That's equal to over 100,000 more ballots cast in 2020 than there were in 2012. And the increase in the number of absentee ballots cast over that same period of time, 170%. So that's an additional 326,000 more absentee ballots cast in 2020 than there were in 2012. Registered Democrats alone cast over 168,000 more absentee ballots in 2020 than they did in 2012. That would work out to be an increase of 200%. And even just ignoring 2012 and focusing on the changes between 2016 and 2020, the jumps are still massive. There were about 7% more ballots cast in 2020 than in 2016. So about 55,000 more ballots cast for when Biden won versus when Trump uh, won in 2016. And the number of absentee ballots cast increased by about 100%. Works out to be an additional 258,000 more absentee ballots cast in the 2020 election than there were in the 2016 election. 268,000, over a quarter million more absentee ballots cast and accepted compared to 2016. And over half of them were cast by Democrats. So about 135% more than the number of absentee ballots cast by Democrats in 2016. So that's quite a bit. For comparison, there were about 57,000 more unenrolled voters that voted by absentee in 2020 compared to 2016. And an additional 54,000 Republican voters cast their vote by absentee. So that would be an increase of 78% and 75% respectively. And added together, they still wouldn't equal the total increase in Democrat voters voting by absentee. All right, so I could keep going. The rejection rates when broken down by voter block has some interesting things going on that might be worth digging at a bit. But I'm going to cap it here for today, uh, or I'll never get this thing recorded. I focus specifically on statewide trends today. But if I come back to this topic in podcast form, it'll likely be looking at uh, the same numbers I've gone over today, except focused down to the county and municipal level. Probably focused on a handful of them, and if I think the rejection rate is worth going into, I'll do it then. The other thing I'll likely start looking at too were the Democrat primary numbers from 2020. This massive spike in the number of registered Democrats in the first few months of 2020 one of my suspicions is that their contentious primary season may have played a big role in convincing unenrolled voters to join the Democrat Party. But that won't be next time. In fact, it might just be something I'll put up on the website for people to see. Next time will be structured more like the last couple I did. I can usually get those produced a bit quicker than these ones, and I've already got a few ideas I'm pulling together. Okay, that's it for today. Uh, check out the website if you can, themainpolls.com. That's where I'll write write-ups as well as info on bills working through the legislature. Updates aren't regular because any free time I have, I'm usually focused more on the podcast part of it. But I've got the menus linked to a bunch of different main.gov resources. 
state legislative pages and links to the press releases and contact pages for our elected officials all gathered in one handy location for anyone that wants to do some of their own research. All right, that's all I got. Thanks for listening.